Jenna Ellis in the morning on American Family Radio. Jenna, first, good morning. Great to be with you, the queen of talk radio in America. The left does not want to honor our freedoms, and we have a responsibility to fight back. I love talking about the things of God because of truth and the biblical worldview. Fill that void with a vision that runs so deep that it dilutes the woke agenda. Well, thank you, Jenna. Right from the beginning, I knew you, so it's an honor to be with you. You're doing really well. Proud of you. Former legal counsel to President Trump. Well, good morning. And on this Tuesday morning, uh, we have the bombshell Durham report that the headline, according to our good friend Greg Jarrett in Fox News, says confirms the FBI, the Justice Department had these radical motives. And of course, we know that there is a dual system of justice in our country at the FBI and the Justice Department. So what actually does this report contain and will there be any accountability? I think that's the biggest question. So here to break it down this morning is our good friend, Greg Jarrett, who is also the author of the brand new book, Trial of the Century. Get that on Amazon, anywhere that you get books. Um, so good morning, Greg. And you know, let's just break this down. Uh, what, what exactly did the Durham report contain and why does this even matter at this point? Well, it demonstrates uh, pretty much everything I argued, indeed everything I argued, in the first two books I wrote, The Russia Hoax and Witch Hunt, that the FBI went rogue. Uh, They decided that they were going after Donald Trump with a vengeance in the summer of 2016 to try to stop his run for the presidency against their preferred candidate, Hillary Clinton. And they actually accepted from her confederates, her cronies, uh, an incredible lie that constitutes the dirtiest trick in American politics, that Trump was colluding with Russia. Uh, Now, the FBI debunked that early on. Uh, One of the more interesting facts, and, and actually it's in my first book five years ago, On the very day that James Comey was clearing Hillary Clinton of the many crimes she committed in her email uh, server scandal, uh, her uh, employee, Christopher Steele, the ex-British spy, was meeting with the FBI in London and handing over the dossier that Hillary Clinton had financed. It was uh, a collection of lies. None of it was true. And within a matter of weeks, the FBI determined, yeah, this is all uh, a collection of lies. Instead of prosecuting Hillary for conspiracy to defraud the government and lying to the FBI, uh, which is what Durham says they should have done, uh, they opened an investigation without credible evidence, without authority, to go after Donald Trump. I mean, this is really incredible. I mean, it's, it's the kind of, you know, drama that novelists try to dream up, but it actually happened. And, and isn't it incredible that uh, we are discovering, you know, years later, I mean, Durham drops this report um, six months after the midterm elections. This is fully exonerating uh, President Trump with everything that he said contemporaneously back then. And yet to quote Hillary Clinton at this point, what difference does it make, right? Because we're not seeing genuinely any accountability for 
the people who are in government who have weaponized government to go after their political opponents. I mean, this is a hallmark of a banana republic that would use the tools of law enforcement to persecute a political opponent to try to remove them from office, um, the the whole impeachment. And I mean, I'm, I'm old enough to remember, Greg, when, you know, you and I have, have, were, um, were legal analysts trying to say at the time, there is no um, evidence that this should even have happened. And yet, this dominated the airwaves for you know th- for years actually i mean not just during the whole uh, Mueller testimony but everything going on and how they tried the democrats tried to undermine president trump from before day 1 so yeah. the the question then becomes all right so this happened but we're not going to see likely any criminal prosecutions of anyone who was responsible for this. And that's what's frustrating to, I think, any of us who have a sense of justice. Why not? Well, the sad coda, you're right, is that this is, uh, you know, none of the people involved in perpetrating the Russia hoax to rig an election and destroy a presidency will ever be held accountable. You know, Durham did bring uh, three cases one, he obtained a, uh, a plea of guilty, uh, Kevin Kleinsmith, the FBI uh, attorney, who uh, doctored records to lie to the FISA court, uh, but he got a slap on the wrist. And then he brought two other cases. Uh, Igor Danchenko was the original source for the phony dossier, but he was acquitted in front of a jury, but it wasn't a jury of his peers. <laughs> You know, this you cannot get a conviction in a political case in Washington, D.C., or uh, in a northern Virginia. Uh, he brought another case against Michael Sussman, who also, uh, he argued, lied. It's pretty clear he did. But again, you know, in Washington, D.C., you're not going to get you're not going to get a conviction. Uh, what was it, 95 percent of, of people in the jury pool voted against Donald Trump. So, you know, it, it is sad. I, I think the other people who were involved in this who will never be held accountable are the mainstream media who were riven with bias, hated Trump. They happily became, you know, witting accessories to the collusion lie. And they convicted Trump in the court of public opinion, and they didn't have any supportable evidence. They didn't bother to look for it. They simply accepted the lies that were fed to them, some of them by the FBI, uh, as gospel. And, you know, those of us who got it right were mocked, demeaned, ridiculed, criticized, threatened. But the New York Times and the Washington Post, who got it fundamentally wrong, what did they get? coveted Pulitzer Prizes. Uh, so you know, try to figure this out, you know, that the, the conduct of the media was shameful, disgraceful, but they don't care uh, because, you know, mission accomplished. They sullied Trump and they made his presidency miserable over a lie, the Russia hoax. And, you know, none of them have ever apologized it was the worst case of media malpractice in my lifetime. Mm-hmm. Uh, that that is such 
an incredibly important point, Greg Jarrett, and uh, he is the author of the new book, Trial of the Century. And to, to explain the difference and highlight the difference between the court of law, which we're all, I think, frustrated about and how there's a clear bias and you're never going to get a conviction of a Democrat. Yet if Republicans even attempted something remotely similar, you would see a vast slew of convictions. And still um, the DOJ and special counsel are investigating, you know, Donald Trump over things um, that that are, you know, that happened years ago that there's no criminal activity, but, you know, still they're investigating him. And if this were, these were Republicans, then, you know, there would be, of course, convictions in a heartbeat in D.C. Um, but then there's the difference between the court of law and the court of public opinion. And why this matters is because the media did get what they wanted. And there is such a quick assessment in the court of public opinion and that's really what they want. They don't care. The Democrats and the left and the media don't care what is actually proven under the rules of evidence and the standards in court. All they care about is trial in the media and conviction in the media. So right. what does and that tell you? Yeah, go ahead. Well, it tells me that the, the mainstream media, I mean, they're 90% liberal and they wear it on their sleeve. And that liberal bias uh, infects the stories they choose to tell and the way they tell them. And they infect their stories with their own opinions. And, uh, you know, it was uh, no more clear than during, you know, the witch hunt, the Russia hoax, where, you know, journalists repeatedly over and over and over again said, Oh, the, the, the dossier is true. It's proven. Uh, you know, there were people on the air who, who said, your own intelligence community uh, says the dossier is true. Now, that was a lie. I, either they were deliberately lying to the American people on television, or um, they were so profoundly stupid they didn't know any better. Uh, so that was the kind of stuff that that was going on. As I point out in, in one of my books, literally two months before the Mueller report came out that said, sorry, there's no collusion conspiracy, on CNN, they were saying the dossier is mostly true. And they went through the various parts of the dossier, and they claimed all these lies were true, and they weren't. I mean, that is horrible journalism. And, you know, CNN never apologized for it. And, in fact, they kept that story on their website up until uh, the Mueller report came out, and then suddenly it vanished. You know, so, you know, this is, uh, these are people in the media who don't have a conscience. They're not very good at their jobs. Um, and they pile on based on, you know, misinformation and disinformation and lies. And it's a shame, but, you know, it's a sad commentary on today's uh, mainstream media. It, it really is, because if their goal is to 
tell the truth and they're not doing a very good job. In fact, they're uh, they're going against the hallmarks and the goals of journalism, which is to hold government accountable and to tell the truth. And of course, they can have opinions, but their opinions should be based in fact, not in this arbitrary and, and often fabricated reality that they prefer of their own narrative. And so I, I think the lesson for us as conservatives, uh, Greg Jarrett, is to not allow the media to fabricate these narratives and to win the battle in the court of public opinion so that, you know, six years later, when the truth actually comes out in some of these reports, it's not like, well, okay, at what point, at at this point, what difference does it make? Um, Again, to quote Hillary Clinton, but to call out the media for their bias, for their lies, and for their false you know, oh, this has been debunked this year or this has been proven instead of allowing them to dominate the court of a pu- of public opinion. Right. So how do we effectively do that as conservatives moving forward into 2024? By encouraging people to stop watching, uh, you know, a lot of these news networks and reading the New York Times and, and the Washington Post. Now, look, some of the work that the New York Times and Washington Post does is good, but when it comes to matters like this that are so politically infused, uh, you know, whenever I open their uh, pages, you know, I start with the premise that they're wrong. And usually I'm right about that. And, you know, when you go on the networks, I mean, read the Durham report, Comey, McCabe, Peter Strzok, uh, John Brennan, James Clapper, they're all portrayed correctly in the Durham report as, you know, liars who abuse their position of power. So, so where do we find these people these days? McCabe and Peter Strzok and John Brennan and James Clapper are featured prominently on MSNBC and, and CNN, and they continue to spew their nonsense. Uh, and, so, and people, I guess, you know, gullible, naive, you know, believe what they see on television. Uh, I, I think it's up to us to tell them, don't believe them. Uh, but, you know, that's an uphill battle. Yeah, absolutely. And it starts with the the premise of we actually want to discover the truth because, you know, in my in my younger days when I was very um, naive and I think, you know, bright eyed and bushy tailed, <laughs> it was more like if I just tell people the truth, they'll be like, oh, Jenna, thank you so much for actually telling me what the truth is because I didn't know. But I think so many people don't want to see the truth. They actually want to believe their preferred narrative. So we have to start there and we have to get back to not only telling the truth, but actively encouraging people to seek it and to want to know the truth. So Greg Jarrett, um, thanks so much. And his new book is called The Trial of the Century. You can find that anywhere that books are sold. Follow him on social media. His uh, his uh, piece is Bombshell Durham Report confirms FBI Justice Department had these radical motives. And we will be right back with more here on Jenna Ellis in the Morning. Welcome back to Jenna Ellis in the Morning on American Family Radio. We are discussing this morning the outfall uh, and the political, uh, 
I guess, you know, the political problems with with the country in the wake of the Durham report that dropped yesterday and um, kind of the bigger picture as well of how the Democrats are fundamentally trying to destroy this country through tearing down our rule of law, through uh, tearing down our institutions of government, and through manipulating them, weaponizing them, and ultimately tearing down our U.S. Constitution. And so I'd like to uh, welcome my next guest, who is, uh, of course, a friend of this show and a great friend um, to me personally. His family is just wonderful. Um, The great Don Huffines from the great state of Texas, who uh, formerly ran for governor state senator and now is the president of the Huffines Liberty Foundation. And um, Don, good morning. I really appreciate you joining this morning. Good morning, Jenna. It's great to be on your show again. Yeah, always love having you. So, you know, I, I want to talk uh, broadly. First, you know, your reaction to the Durham report and the fact that, you know, I don't really think that we're going to see any accountability through any of this. And the Democrats are kind of just going, OK, well, sure. You know, this happened in, in 2016. That's passe. Whatever. Um, let's let's move on. Well, look, it, it, I think it does show that the FBI uh, was, weaponi- was weaponized by the Democrats. I think I was reading a quick summary on the report, and I think it clearly shows that, and, and it shows the duplicitous nature of the FBI and how they came after Trump, but really not after Clinton. But unfortunately, it really just buries the, the Clinton probe of, of what she did with all those emails and things like that. So that, that's gone forever. There's never going to be any justice on on uh, on how she acted and the Democrat Party acted. And I think it just brings a close to everything. And that's really unfortunate um, because I feel like that. And I think most Trump supporters do that. It wasn't equitable and that the whole Russian probe, of course, was a hoax. That's what it shows that. But it doesn't hold anyone accountable for it. Right. And and Durham even said in the report that, and I'm quoting this now, there's a continuing need for the FBI and the department to recognize that lack of analytical rigor, apparent confirmation bias, and an overwillingness to rely on information from individuals connected to political opponents caused investigators to fail to adequately consider alternative hypotheses and to act without appropriate objectivity or restraint in pursuing allegations of collusion or conspiracy between a U.S. political campaign and a foreign power. And then he goes on to say, although recognizing that in hindsight is much clearer, much of this also seems to be clear at the time. So there's really no accountability here. And and I think he's spot on in saying that. And yet when we apply this, this principle that the Democrats know what they're doing at the time, and then when we have that confirmation of what we have known later, then there is no accountability. And that's what's going on even in the state of Texas. And so kind of from a, a more broad perspective, um, Don Huffines, there is already this kind of overwillingness as well by uh, blue city district attorneys that are targeting people who defend themselves or others. And we're starting to see this whole philosophy of just trying to destroy political opponents instead of enforce the rule of law and the constitutional protections, um, even in other situations like, for example, the Manhattan District Attorney. And now even what happened um, last week, while you know I was on, I was on vacation last week, but what happened in um, the New York subway incident where 
uh, now this um, young military officer is being charged with murder for genuine self-defense. And that also happened um, in the wake of the 2020 protests in the blue city of Austin, Texas, um, to another sergeant who was defending himself as an Uber driver at the time. So, I mean, you know, all of these things, I think there's a connection there. And, and there's a lesson to be learned from conservatives in, in how Democrats are prolifically ignoring the rule of law. Well, there is a big lesson, of course, to be learned, Jenna, and it's the fact that the Democrats, which are really socialist and communist, and this is a, an attack on America, when, and, but they're very clever. And they're very good at what they do. And George Soros is, of course, at the heart of part of the problem when he went out several years ago and made a concerted effort to take over and and manipulate and what legally or illegally didn't matter the the district attorney elections in all the major metropolitan areas of the United States of America. Texas is not immune to that. All the major cities and, and counties in Texas were major being population centers like Dallas and San Antonio, Austin, Houston. They're all controlled by the left. And and the and the DAs are controlled by the left, and the DA is the only one. As you, of course, you know, you would certainly know. You work for him. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I they did. They don't prosecute, yeah, prosecute criminal crimes, and so you, we've got these leftists and these communists uh, running the district attorney's office, and with really free reign to do whatever they want. Uh, and there's there's no. It's very very difficult to hold them accountable. Uh, and who's going to hold them accountable? And I mean, the, the the attorney general maybe a little bit, but not really. They don't have the legal authority to do that in Texas. So we've got a lot of a lot of patriots that are getting prosecuted when they shouldn't be, and we've got tons and tons of criminals are getting let off when they shouldn't be. And, and it's and- a communist plot. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And and, and uh, Don Huffines, who is the, the president of the Huffine Liberty Foundation, um, joins me. And this is such an important point to underscore that I think conservatives are recognizing how much the the law and law enforcement matters. I mean, even um, just a few years ago, before kind of the rise of the Soros-funded DAs and this intentional push by the, the left and the Democrats to take over uh, the institution of um, the executive law enforcement functionality really weren't, you know, we really weren't paying attention as much. Like we were paying attention to the more prominent political elections, like, um, you know, our, our um, members of Congress, our state legislators, um, hopefully. But even so in my home state um, or former now home state of, of Colorado, my home state is now Florida. Woohoo. Um, but but that's where, you know, I'm bar licensed and where I worked as a district attorney. Most of um, the the citizens in Colorado, even the ones who care about the rule of law, didn't really pay attention to the district attorneys and who they couldn't name their district attorney. They didn't know um, that those are actually elected positions in the state of Colorado and the way to hold them accountable, especially in blue cities like Denver and Boulder, you know, that mirror, um, you know, Dallas and Austin uh, in Texas the way to hold them accountable is to make sure that you are out actively campaigning for and encouraging people to vote for the the people who will actually um, hold those positions responsibly and they will enforce genuine justice that is unbiased. There's a special rule and, and, and a lot of people don't realize this. There's a special rule in 
the code of attorney conduct that actually uh, governs the special responsibility of a prosecutor to do whatsoever justice requires and to be unbiased. Because as, as I was taught, um, that as a district attorney, your client is justice, not politics, not partisanship, not, you know, want it, not your trial record, you know, none of that matters. But we've gotten so far away from that. And I think, um, Don Huffines, really how we can get back to um, a, a better system of justice is for conservatives to pay attention to things like district attorney roles in their state and making sure that as much as we can effectuate who holds those positions, we do that and we see that those elections matter as well. You're, uh, you're of course, absolutely right, Jenna. The district attorney is extremely powerful and extremely important that conservatives or Republicans in general pay attention to to these races. But in Texas, we've got additional issues to deal with, and that is our judges. Our judges are elected, and I'm for electing judges. But not only that, we've got a jury problem. I mean, in Dallas County, over 2 million folks live here. Trump barely got 32, 34 percent of the election. And of the votes, and, and a Republican's not going to get more than 35% of the vote in Dallas County, and that can be said almost across the state of Texas and the major metropolitan areas, and I would say across the United States. And so the juries are biased, the judges are biased, and the DA's biased. I mean, we've got the deck stacked against us, and, and all across the board, whether it's a civil case or a criminal case. And I've always advocated for a parallel system to prosecute crimes, because if the district attorney doesn't decide uh, the evidence is there or for whatever reason, they, they don't want to prosecute a crime. And this goes on in rural areas. Also, they might be cousins of the of the victim or or of the person accused of the crime or they drink coffee with opposing counsels or their own friends and buddies. Sometimes it's a very biased situation to get a, a criminal case prosecuted. So why don't we have a system set up where the victim's family or whatever can hire their own prosecutor or can go to a district, I mean, the uh, attorney general in the state and get and get and try to get justice if the district attorney's not going to deliver. Right. And and this is where we have to have a conversation nationally and 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 also substantively in the states to say, okay, how is our system being compromised and what are the solutions that we can present? Because, you know, you and I would agree and we talk about this often, um, Donna finds that our Constitution is brilliant and how our founders founded this republic with the separation of powers and with federalism is a brilliant system. But we always have to go back and say, okay, how are these institutions um, being compromised? And how can we then go back and and maybe tweak some of these things to create a more perfect union? This is why we can utilize different provisions. Like, for example, you've you've championed um, using Article 1, Section 10 of the U.S. Constitution on the state level to have border control and to declare an invasion. But, you know, it's like Republicans are so stuck in this model of how things have all been that they're afraid to use provisions of the Constitution that are there that haven't been used in certain ways that are there for such a time as this. I mean, even like Article 5, to amend the Constitution through a convention of the states to propose amendments um, to the Constitution that would be beneficial that will never come out of Congress. So 
you know, I feel like civic education is the most important starting place so that conservatives actually understand the rules and then we can use those rules and those powers and those provisions to our benefit. Well, absolutely. Look, the states are sovereign and we, we really what we're talking about here is that we don't have courage in our, in our party, in the Republican Party. We don't have courage across the nation. We certainly don't have much in the state of Texas. We've got to challenge the federal government, particularly when it's operated by a bunch of leftists and communists. We have to challenge them every chance we get. And that's also ignoring sometimes the rulings from these courts. Look, the Constitution is very clear. For instance, what you just said, Article 1, Section 10, as you know, Article 1 was separate. The saying it dictates exactly what the state's authority they have and don't have. And Section 10 clearly gives the states the authority to repel an invasion if they're invaded and gives them the right to charge a tax or raise an army to enter into a treaty with a foreign nation. And I always say this, I I don't think anyone would have signed the Constitution if, if that provision had had not been in it. And that's simply, if you look at it clearly, if you know, if uh, Florida was invaded by Spain and the federal government never came to their aid, of course, Florida's got the authority, the governor does, to do whatever it needs to do to repel the invasion. And Texas is the same. Uh, look, this the, the border states in the United States are going to be nothing but a but another northern state of Mexico. We're going to be the same as Tampalipas, as, as Leon or, or Chihuahua. Texas is not the same place it was 30 years ago, 40 years ago. It's 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 just very, very different. They've taken over California. They've taken over Arizona, New Mexico. We're at a war, Jenna. This is a war. And you don't have to be in a shooting war to be in a war. There's all kinds of ways to have a war, of course, a war of communications, wars, media. And the communists are very, very patient. And the best way to take over or destroy a, a country is, is to send in millions and millions of people to dilute and destroy the culture. When 30 to 40 percent of our population is foreign born, they're going to win. And they're in the process of winning because we lose our will to fight a shooting war. And they control the media. They control the education systems. And uh, it's, 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 this is a very dramatic. A very serious situation for the country and for the state of Texas. Yeah, it, it is for the country. And we have lost the understanding of exactly what you said, that the founders uh, likely would have never signed the U.S. Constitution and ratified that document without the ability of states to protect themselves and to have those measures of protection of state sovereignty. I mean, we, in a 2023 mindset, kind of think of the United States more from a Uh, a federal perspective, not that each state actually has its own sovereignty. And while we are so focused on what the mainstream media wants to talk about, and some of those things, you know, of course, the, the Durham report and all of these things are very important. We have to look holistically at what is going on to our rule of law, to our nation, and get back to what the founders understood were the best protections for liberty and freedom. That's why they divided powers on not just 
the the branches level, um, what I like to say, you know, horizontally, but they also did that vertically f- through federalism to say the federal government should be the weakest. States need to have sovereignty in order to deliver freedom. That's what's going on in the free state of Florida. That's why everybody's moving here, and it's great. So uh, Don Huffines, thanks so much. You can find him at Huffines Liberty Foundation, and we will be right back to talk more about the Durham report uh, with our good friend Todd Starnes right here on Jenna Ellis in the Morning. Speaking truth with love. This is Jenna Ellis in the Morning. Welcome back. And we have been uh, talking about the Durham report this morning. And if you missed the first segment, uh, Greg Jarrett gave a great explanation of uh, some of the legal side of this and how this is really uh, evidencing a double standard by the FBI and by investigations. And so what is the political fallout here? Well, joining me now is my good friend and your good friend, Todd Starnes, who, of course, is the host of the Toddcast on uh, Salem Media Network, where my uh, podcast is also hosted. You can find that at thejennaellisshow.com. And uh, Todd, you also run toddstarns.com. Had a great piece um, about the Durham report yesterday when it came out. So um, first, I want to get your quick reaction overall to this, because I think this really wasn't surprising um, for anyone who has been following the story and actually cares about the truth. That's that's a fair point. Uh, I think it was vindication for a lot of people who have been doing the investigative work. Uh, Greg Jarrett, uh, for years, has been on my uh, national show uh, laying all of this out, and he was castigated by many in the media. Greg is a, a great legal mind, uh, as well as an incredible journalist and investigative journalist. And I think he laid it out pretty, pretty simply for the, the average American citizen. But I think people need to understand that that this is the reason why Hillary and the Democrats and the deep state have been so enraged over Trump. We call it Trump derangement syndrome. They're, they're angry because they knew he was not supposed to win the presidential election because they had fixed it so that he would not win. And so that's why they're so in, enraged. I mean, in polite conversation, Jenna, what Hillary did was a modern-day coup they were unsuccessful in 2016. But here's the question people need to be asking. So we know that what they did in 2016, but my question is, what did they do in 2020? How did they sabotage the 2020 presidential election? Because whatever that was worked like a charm. Right, Todd. And, and, you know, we're not allowed to ask that question. Otherwise, we're called insurrectionists and you want to overthrow democracy. And of course, you know, regardless of what Hillary did in 2016, uh, conservatives aren't allowed to ask the question of what happened in 2020 because we're relitigating all of this and that's passed and we just need to move forward. But I think that is the question. And then the next question, of course, has to become, what are they planning for 2024 and how can we prevent whatever that is? And this is why I am calling on every establishment Republican, every rhino, every conservative Republican, every America First MAGA Republican, every populist Republican. We all need to stand together with one voice on this issue because Donald Trump, yes, he's on the ballot in 2024, but 
he's not going to be in 2028. And my concern is if they're going to do this to one Republican candidate, you know, they're going to do it to others. And we've got to stand with one voice on this one issue, no matter what people think about Donald Trump. This is not about Donald Trump. This is about the, the the republic this is what's at stake here and so i mean people should be so righteously indignant today but honestly jenna the democrats know that the american people have the attention span of a gnat they have the mainstream media in their back pocket and they know there's not going to be any any repercussions for what they have done yeah, and Todd Stearns, that's, that it really is the problem here, is that there is no accountability. There will be no solutions uh, likely moving forward into 2024. And because we are being told by the mainstream media that anything in 2016 uh, just doesn't matter, to, to quote Hillary Clinton, at this point, what difference does it make, right? And then in uh, 2020, well, then that's just relitigating everything. And so they're wanting us to simply move forward. They're also telling uh, President Trump that if he talks about the 2020 election, then it's just a personal grievance. And while I, I think that he could uh, change some of his rhetoric, um, not only on this, but on a lot of things, um, I, I think you're absolutely right that regardless of whether anyone supports President Trump for anything in the future, whatever you think of him personally, um, this is an issue that all Americans, regardless of party or of loyalty to a particular candidate, need to care about because it is about the future of our republic and also how committed we are to the rule of law. Because if we don't have the rule of law, then everything else goes away and we're no better than a banana republic. And so you know, what What can the solution then be? Because, you know, looking at the rule of law and even seeing what, uh, what Durham concluded, he's suggesting that the FBI failed to uphold their mission of strict fidelity to the law and all of those things. But, okay, that's a conclusion. Now what happens? What is, what should be the legal fallout? I think we know that. But what will be, in your opinion, the political fallout of this moving forward and also looking backward? Jenna, that's the, that's the great unknown. Here's what I think should happen. I think the FBI has – it's not, not even mission creep anymore. They have completely lost focus of their mission. And I think the FBI needs to be dis, defunded and dismantled. That's what needs to happen. I, I doubt that that will happen. Honestly, I don't think there are going to be any political ramifications over this. The Republicans have proven for well over um, a decade that they are incapable of actually leading any investigations that result in criminal prosecutions. So I'm not really all that hopeful that people are ultimately going to be held accountable for, for what the Democrats tried to do. Yeah, I I would agree with you. And that's what is very frustrating to um, the people who care about righteous justice, which um, I think I can confidently say is um, the vast majority of those listening to this program and people at AFR who understand that justice is actually a, a characteristic of the nature of God and of truth. And if we don't have justice in a society, if we don't have consequences for breaching the law, if we don't have free and fair elections, um, for example, Example, then, uh, then, then we really don't have a system of justice that is working and functioning properly. And so, um, you know, as we as we look at all of this, I was um, I was watching some of the 
the feed on you know some of the reaction on Twitter, especially yesterday, especially from some of the leftists. And one of the more um, popular accounts that has you know I, I think you know over a million followers. Um, you know this this guy who is more of a center leftist um, and and hosts some of these spaces. Todd was saying on here. Okay, well. I think we can all agree then that, you know, th- that the investigation sh- maybe shouldn't have happened. You know, Trump really didn't have any collusion with Russia. But can we all agree that because there aren't going to be any criminal prosecutions, then, you know, there really nothing else happened. So this was kind of just an, a giant nothing all the way around. And I feel like that's how the left is going to try to spin this, to say that because there likely will be no criminal prosecutions, that means that nothing happened that was deserving of a prosecution. And that, I think, is what the Republicans and anyone, including Donald Trump, who wants to be president in 2024, seriously needs to address in the primary and and provide a pathway to say, no, we, we need to hold these people accountable and real genuine solutions, not just rhetoric. Am I wrong? Jenna, they... They tried to convince the American people using fake documents that Donald Trump was a traitor, that he was in the back pocket of Vladimir Putin, when in fact it was Hillary Clinton and the Democrats who were behaving as as treasonous people here. Um, it's you know a lot of people complain about Donald Trump's tone and tenor, and I'm chief among them. Um, but I understand why he's in. I mean, they have tried to destroy this man. And I just ask any person listening, how do you think you would respond? And I think even the most devout person of faith would probably um, get a little uh, get a little miffed, uh, you know, if day in and to day out they were they were being castigated in the mainstream media. Do I wish that President Trump was more? calm in his demeanor and his approach to this? Yes, I do. But I understand exactly why he's doing what he's doing. Uh, that doesn't make it right, but I'm just telling you, I understand it. And I think the American people do too, Jenna. I think people get it. Um, but I do think that he would garner a lot more sympathy and support if he would just sort of back up a little bit and just think and and maybe count to ten before he writes that that tweet on True Social. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, I I think there have been a lot of us who have been suggesting that to him for uh, quite a few years, and so far he hasn't taken our advice on that. We will see. There's a better <laughs> chance of there's a better chance of me fitting into a pair of slim fit jeans. <laughs> uh, yeah, well, you know, um, but but then let's turn to some of the other candidates as well, because how would someone, you know, like a Ron DeSantis or a Vivek Ramaswamy uh, respond to all of this when the focus is always so much on Donald Trump and what happened in 2016 now and in 2020? How do they craft a message that resonates with the American people moving forward to say, listen, I, I know that this was so frustrating for Donald Trump, but here's my vision for the future. And, and maybe, you know, I think they need to answer the question. Well, okay. So let's, let's say that you win the primary and Donald Trump's out of the picture now. I mean, unless he runs as an independent, but in terms of the GOP, and then they're just going to do the same thing to you. I mean, I don't, I don't think that we're ever going to get past the Democrats pulling these kinds of shenanigans and criminal activity. Um, unless and until something genuinely changes, whether that's against Trump or it's against some other Republican. 
Well, it's already started with with Ron DeSantis. Of course, they did that big expose on his time as a school teacher for one term at the Darlington School in in Georgia, and they made some rather uh, disgusting insinuations. And of course, that story got picked up. I think President Trump even shared it. So that's already started, and 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 they're holding their fire. They've got. They've got dirt on DeSantis. And the question is whether or not DeSantis will be able to effectively push through that. That's why Donald Trump was so effective, because he didn't really care what the media said about him. He just plowed forward. And and Ron DeSantis is going to have to figure out, does he have that power to punch through all of this like Donald Trump did? But more importantly, he can't be Donald Trump. He has to be Ron DeSantis. And, I mean, he's done a phenomenal job governing the state of Florida. It, it really angers me when I see Republicans out there saying, oh, well, he's a rhino. You know, I'm sorry, that's, <laughs> that's not just lazy. That's just stupid. Um, this guy has, yeah, made mistakes, but guess what? So has President Trump. So did George W. Bush. I mean, you go down the line, so did Ronald Reagan. Um, but in reality, you know, we've got to get over that. Um, you know, the Republican Party is not at its core a populist party. It is a conservative party. Now, I will say this, one of the bigger issues that the Republicans are going to be dealing with, and this, it's going to be Trump or DeSantis, whoever the nominee is, they're going to have to figure out where they stand on some of the key social and culture issues of the day. Because underneath all of this is a raging battle with the donor class at the center of it on whether or not we should back away from issues like the life movement and the meaning of traditional marriage. Yeah, and, and you know, I'm glad that you brought that up, too, because that really is going to define the Republican Party moving forward. And and really, honestly, whether or not um, that would cause some people of faith to say, you know, we need to step back and not support the Republican Party and, you know, perhaps look at alternative candidates and so forth. If the party platform is not dedicated to genuinely being conservatives and what I'm seeing um, from Governor DeSantis is that he is kind of punching through this by not responding, um, by simply well, moving forward, having a lot of great out outcomes and standing steadfastly firm for pro-life, traditional marriage, the, the right side, the truthful side of the cultural issues regardless. And that's a good thing. And we'll see if he can continue that moving forward. And, and if Rick Perry, the former governor of Texas, jumps into the race, evangelicals are going to have an interesting decision to make. And it will really say a lot about who evangelicals are and what motivates them to go to the ballot box. Do they support Rick Perry, the evangelical born-again Christian, or do they support Ron DeSantis, the conservative Roman Catholic? So, you know, at that point, evangelicals are going to be put on the table because then their values will come under scrutiny. Are they voting for someone just because of political expediency, or are they truly voting for somebody and supporting somebody because they share values with that candidate? Right. Well, and, you know, I'm old enough to remember when we all, um, as evangelicals, made the decision that, you know, Donald Trump, who, um, you know, whose history and, and life and rhetoric um, certainly doesn't in a lot of ways reflect our values, um, that he would stand firmly for the things, at least in policy. And he did um, on on a wide margin, I think, was phenomenally more Jenna, successful in his administration than you and I thought, or certainly that I did. 
Oh, sure. But at the same time, look, many, many conservative Christians are now coming under fire for that. That's the whole point I'm trying to get right. at here, is that they're going to have that same argument if DeSantis is the nominee. It's fascinating. It's Look, it's going to be fascinating to see how all of this plays out in the great scheme of things. I don't care who the nominee is. They're getting my vote. It's better than <laughs> yeah, the alternative. A hundred percent. And this is where I think if we can continue to stand firmly on the truth, and I hope that the attacks against DeSantis will stop um, and that we do have the united front as conservatives to tell the truth about everyone, to tell the truth about what happened to Donald Trump and to tell the truth about the phenomenal success that DeSantis has had in Florida and move forward knowing that the real enemy are the people who want to destroy this country. So Todd Starnes, thanks so much. You can uh, find him at toddstarnes.com. That is all the time that we have for today. But you can also uh, contact me, Jenna, at AFR.net to tell me your thoughts about the uh, Durham report and moving forward as a country. I will join you tomorrow morning right here on Jenna Ellis in the morning. The views and opinions expressed in this broadcast may not necessarily reflect those of the American Family Association or American Family Radio.